Nice. You just fucking yelled at me the whole time about having my fucking clap ready to go. Well, the clap is important. All right, well, as long as you don't have the clap. This is the Drop Podcast, where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. And this episode is presented by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Hey, everyone. Uh, another great week for us. Again, appreciate all the love uh, and support we're getting. Keep throwing it out to us. Um, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find us on Spotify at The Drop Podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube page, The Drop Golf Podcast, and Instagram and Twitter, both the same handles, mm-hmm. at The Drop underscore pod is where you can find all of our content. We got videos. We got uh, some big stuff coming out in the next couple weeks with uh, some more interviews and just the content we're putting out. I mean, we're really out here grinding um, and and trying to put as much stuff out as possible between uh, just the two of us and and, um, hoping you guys are liking it. And and again, as as I said, I think you guys are. um, So we're trying to do our best to keep up with it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, taking advantage of all, all this weather in the past few weeks is is key for us, and that's what we've been trying to do. So, I, you know, I can't, you know, say it enough. I appreciate it. It's been a blast, and hopefully, you know, this thing continues to steamroll downhill. Absolutely. Uh, so this this week we had an amazing opportunity. Um, Mike's going to introduce you to uh, to Troy a little bit, but we, but we went down and. I uh, got to hang out with Troy Venucci. Um, he plays out of Little Mill uh, down in, in Medford or... Marlton. Marlton, thank you. I knew it was one of those M1s. Um, and he, uh, you know, again, just kind of a blind, like we're able to, to connect with him over Instagram and, and kind of hang out with him and, and nice enough to invite us down. So we we went down to Little Mill, took a trip across the state and... Played 27 holes with them. 29. 29. That's right. That's right. We had some bonus holes. We did. So we, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that round today, um, kind of talk about the course, about Troy a little bit, and then we were actually fortunate enough to interview him before we went out and played in an unbelievable like men's grill room that he was like, no, nah, no one ever really goes here. Because uh, he said it's just a golfing club. Like the like. It's got it's got three nines, um, and they are uh, they're really just they're just there to golf, and it's not a huge clubhouse like as far as that kind of stuff goes. Like in where you can see something on the 18th hole come up or whatever. They got a nice outdoor facility there with you know the Adirondack chairs and, and a little halfway house. But as far as like a clubhouse goes, it was a small little bar. Locker room seemed you know beautiful. Don't don't get me wrong, everything was nice. But he's like, no, nah, no one really uses this. So we we kind of went down there, hung out, and it was early in the morning anyway. Um, so I think the combination of it being early in the morning, never meeting Troy, um, and and, uh, you know, nervous on both accounts. You know, he's nervous to, to talk to us. He's never met us. Mike and I aren't, aren't professional interviewers and didn't go to school for it, and we're still getting used to it as well. Um, in a new place for us, you know, we're both nervous. He's nervous. Um, and, you know, it's something new for everybody. And then as the day went on, just kind of loosened up, and, and he's legitimately now a friend. Like, we went there as complete strangers, 
and he's our guy now. Like he he's an awesome dude. Um, I can't wait to to have you guys listen to it. And he's going to be on the show a ton. He, he's he's our guy, Mike. Right? Like he's our he's our dude. And yeah. that's uh, and that was that was incredible. So it was uh, it was a it was a great day. We got some stories to tell you, so it was it was really good. So, Mike, why don't you um, why don't you jump in? Tell us tell us who Troy is. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get started. I mean, I think you know when you meet someone for the first time after having just conversations on the phone through text and through DM, it's still a little nerve wracking because you you really don't know who they are. You don't know what they're going to ask you in terms of us asking him questions. Um, and you try to be as laid back as you can, and we try to flow as smoothly as we can in a conversation. But rightfully so. Everybody's a little nervous early on, but we legit spent 10 hours with Troy when you think about when we got there to when we left. And I, I can't help but emphasize, like, not only is Troy uh, uh, just a stud golfer, like, just rifles the driver just pure with his irons, drops putts like I've never seen before. Like, he's a good fucking person, too. He really is. Like, he can talk smack and takes take it if you're giving it to him. Um, he backs it up with his game. He lets you, you know, throws his subtle jabs in at you at times. But he's just a downright good person, man. I mean, for anyone that wants or does invite us out there. You know, normally it's for the normal four-hour round. You talk beforehand. We were with Troy. We got there. I got there at 7.15, and we didn't leave till 5.15. We played 29 holes, had lunch, had a few beers, just enjoyed ourselves. And I felt like at the end of the day, like, it was three buddies hanging out, golfing, shooting the shit, you couldn't. You can't. You can't say anything negative except how bad we played on the first nine holes. The mm-hmm. rest of it. Yeah. The rest of it was so pure. I mean, just as a little background on Troy for some people that may have been that may be listening that don't know who he is. Like, who's this guy that these two are rambling about? Well, first of all, Troy Venucci plays at a Little Mill Country Club, six-time club champion. Six. Hold on, Mike. Can I cut you off? I want to throw I want to throw in a little bit about like he's going to throw you these stats right now. Troy is 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Give him the benefit of doubt, 5'5". Five, five. Right. He's he's <laughs> he's a, he's a little fella and he just absolutely like not only does he win tournament, he stripes the ball. Absolutely stripes it. So just kind of if you're trying to put a picture of who this guy is, he is um like he talks, he grew up, born in Texas, grew up in Memphis, so he's got a little bit of Southern twang to him. But he's this short, built like a shit brick house uh, guy. Yeah, and to to echo that, I mean, listen. So he's won the club champion six times. Okay, that ties the record at Little Mill. And I'm going to guess that the dude will win it again next year, and then set the record for seven. Not only does does he dominate Little Mill, but He's on a national level as well. I mean, he qualified for the United States Mid-M tournament. Let me repeat that. The United States Mid-M. Not the New Jersey, not the Gap. The United States Mid-Amateur tournament. Okay, so he not only qualified for that. 
Uh, Mike, what does, for those that don't know, explain what mid-am means. Okay, so so the mid-amateur is, is for normal golfers, in a sense, that are 30 years or older, okay? Um, sometimes the age may vary to where it's 35. Some may vary to where it's 30. But it kind of takes the older golfer, the middle-aged golfer, I guess is a better term for it, and has them play against like-aged people. It takes the stud teenager, it takes the stud college kid, it takes the young 25-year-old, maybe looking to go pro, out of the equation, and turns it into a middle-aged tournament that I know people may joke around with, like talking like your dad's golfing, like no, no, no. Okay, let's let's put things in perspective. Troy's handicap is a plus 3.5, I believe. So you're talking, not not only does he compete at that level, but he's successful to where he was the semifinalist in the United States four-ball tournament, where with him and his partner, they fired 64-64, and they were the tri-medalists of the entire thing. Okay, so I'm not talking just like you and your buddies are going to go play best ball and see what you shoot. This is like USGA-type stuff. And then to his credit, um, in 2021, when he, you know, some local things, he was the mid-am runner-up in the 2021 NJSGA tournament. And then I think his one major where he's finally broken through, and now he's going to not only just be consistent and contend, but now he's going to start winning because, like they always say, it's always the hardest to get the first one. And now that I think that he's done it, where he won the 2022, this year he won it, the Gap Mid-Amateur to Tournament, um, I just think you're going to see him holding trophies more than not just contending for them. And I could continue on, but as you guys listen to the interview at the end of this, you'll you'll see some even more accolades and and awards that Troy has has won. Yeah, and I know he's... uh... You know, fingers crossed. I know he's, um, and, and I know golfers and, and everybody's superstitious. I know he's waiting for a particular um, particular big year next year. We'll, we'll leave it at that and hope, you know, and hopefully time will fill that in for us. Yeah, and I think there's no doubt at the end of the day after spending that much time with him, you know, I think, I think besides maybe family and, you know, we got to be up there in terms of his biggest fans. I mean, I, I, there's not going to be a bigger supporter. I don't care if it's on Twitter, Instagram, you know, whatever social media that people use. Like, we are going to be all over there rooting for him, DMing with him, texting him, posting things. Like, let's blow this guy up so people not only in Southwest towards Philly, you know, Southern New Jersey, but the whole state truly realize, like, this dude is a stud. Right. And uh, you know what? Like you, you always like. There's people who are good golfers and, and other studs that you want to support. He, he's, uh, I've said it a hundred times. He's just a dude. Like he was so cool to hang out with. Like it was so, like uh, in the business world, they talk about like the the layover test. Like w- would you like when you interview someone? Like would you be able to hang out and have you have a six hour layover because the flight you know flight's got whatever? Could you hang out with him for six hours? Shit, we did it for ten. Like on the first time we met him, we could. The first time we met right. him, right? Like he's he's our guy. I said it. Like you know, every time we see it. What's up, fam? He, he's he's uh, he's the drop podcast family now. He's part of us, and and uh, and like you said, I'm I'm happy, proud, honored, whatever you want to call it. To to he's he's a legitimate friend now, and I'm I'm happy. 
Uh, Troy, thank you for having us out there. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that we were because you know what? Sometimes you get out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and good things happen. Good things happen to good people. Don't you forget it, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the round a little bit, right? They got three nines. Let's break them down a little bit. Tell, tell the people what, uh, what's out there and, um, and go from there. All right, well, obviously, so, yeah, so listen, we, we, got, we were fortunate we played three nines. And we said to Troy from the get-go that we wanted to play the black tees. Like, we want the full experience. We want the full challenge. No excuses. Leave them at home. I shined the clubs before I went. I'm all, I'm pumped up. I am jacked up. I am ready to go out there and just like show this dude I, that that I can play. Like, let's go. Put my big boy pants on. I said we're doing this. Well, none. Not only did I suck the first nine, but that front nine just whooped my ass. I mean, I I, I can't hit a fade or a cut to save my life, and I felt like for nine straight holes you had to hit a cut. So, me being that stubborn Italian I am, I said, I'm hitting driver, dude. I'm not, I'll take it over the trees. Well, the ball ended up in the trees. And I shot a whopping 44. Six bogeys, a double, and two pars. So, I would say that the white kicked my ass. But I loved it. But I will say this, and I know you and I mentioned this a lot on our ride home that day, it was... We would love to play the nine again. Same tees, same, same holes, everything. Because I think like anything, as you play it, you learn about the golf course. And not saying that I would shoot lower than 44 because shit, I might shoot higher, okay? But I'd like to think that I know where to miss it. I can't hit driver like an idiot like I was. So you'd be banging five iron, seven iron into the green rather than trying to bomb driver like Troy, who is 5'5", stocky built, and kills it 315 with that old butter cut. Like, I can't do that. So I'm maybe hitting five iron, seven iron. But I think that reduces the chances of chipping out of the woods and now grinding to get up and down from 100 yards. Uh, on a green that, quite frankly, is yeah, yeah. slippery at best. I mean, there wasn't, there was, we said it, I, we didn't see our first truly straight putt until the third nine. And it was, like, every putt is like moving just a little bit, just a little, you know, it's one of those, this, hey, this is a three foot slider. And there, there wasn't one putt that was just like, okay, this is, just bang it to the back of the hole. And uh, yeah, it was it was brutal. I mean, both Mike and I are, are a little golf um, golf masochist in that way, where we like, especially the if I play a course multiple times, right? I want to see it from the backs to see the whole course. Now, there's times when I'll go out and play, like you know, I've played, I've played Charleston Springs, Hominy Hill, uh, you know. Dozens of times each. I don't need to go get my teeth kicked in there at those courses. I can go out and have a, have a nice, challenging day still. That's reasonable. But if I was new to that place, I, I kind of want to come in and, and play it from, you know, where where it is. Like, the, the couple times I've been up to Bethpage Black, I want to play the black from the blues. I don't want to play it from, from the, the more you know, for my handicap kind of thing. And yeah, I'm going to go 
you know, there was a hole today on the white court, white side. I went driver, three wood, five wood. And was at, and then still not on the green, but at least I was chipping onto the green. Yeah, well, let's let's like preface that 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 hole also was a bear. It was yeah. six hundred yards, dead into the wind. Right. So well, Mike, it wasn't six hundred yards. Let's let's you know because there's going to be Captain Literal people. It was five hundred ninety-five yards from where we teed off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> by by the numbers, maybe, but. Into the wind. In, into the wind, it's over six. Yeah, so, but I mean, listen, that, that, that white course, I, like Troy had mentioned to us, it was going to be the hardest one. It was going to be the most challenging one. And I guess you would like to think that maybe you could play at the second or third nine after we've all kind of gotten to know each other even better because there was no doubt our friendship and relationship from where it was at 7.15 when I arrived to when we left at 5.15, man, it was drastically different. Dress, and everybody was way more comfortable. And that's going to happen no matter what, right? Like, people reach out to us and, and you know, have said stuff. Of course, you're nervous meeting somebody. You know, if you're meeting somebody for the first time, it's like a first date. You know, you're, you're nervous. You're, you know, who is this person? What are they about? You know, you try to get to know each other. And, and the longer it goes on, the more you're going to get to know, for sure. But it was the what what impressed me the most was the speed of which it became so easy to hang out with him mm-hmm. after after like the floodgates kind of open you know they kind of yeah let your guard down yeah you could be you could be you you could be you and and you I can be you and yeah. I, and I think that showed in out and you and I our game specifically because every nine that we played. We scored better. Our final score overall was better as we went all three nines. And I think, like maybe it was for him in the interview being a little nervous, it might have been that way to some degree for us. And then as we got going, it became a lot easier. And for him, his comfortability on the golf course was clearly there more so in the beginning because it's routine for him. And maybe as for us, as we constantly are interviewing people, it's a little easier for us too. So, you know, there's definitely some trade-offs in that respect. But, you know, listen, the white nine, I said, you know, beat us up, slapped us around. And if you had to ask for who won that fight, it wasn't even close. They won landslide. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what? Let, let, so then obviously we went from the whites, the white nine, to the blue nine, to the red nine. Um and why don't you jump into the blue nine a little bit in terms of you know are things that stuck out you know stood out to you? Yeah, the the blue nine was definitely easier. I, I think the difference between all three holes, the white, the white was the hardest, and the difference between the white to blue was still significantly more than the blue to the red. Like the red was the easiest, blue was the middle. And that jump there was much more comparable than the blue to the white. I thought the blue was was a nice, um, even from the backs there, I thought it was a more comfortable round as far as distance goes. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Like the, ba- the, the white was such a bare yardage, the greens, like the tightness of it. You got to the blue and it was, it was almost, it was like, it was like the white, but halved. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like the the fairways were wider. You still had the pines and the leaves to contend with, but the fairways were wider. Yes, the greens were slippery, but they weren't as slippery. Um, the uh, you know the the just everything about it. I, I thought it was I thought it was great, and um, uh, my I think my two favorite holes of the day were were on that. Uh, we're on the, that side. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the two favorite holes, I mean, I don't know if you and I differ, but I think we both agree that those two par threes, five and eight, are are were the two holes to me. And, and I correct me if I'm wrong. You agree with those two? There was a two that just stood yeah. out more than anything. Uh, and that's and, and honestly, that stretch of that might be uh, my favorite stretch of like. Five that par three, mm-hmm. six the par five dogleg left. S- Yep. Seven, the dogleg right, par four. I, I took a picture. So the, the dogleg right, par four, you hit it out there, you hit driver, you get to the turn. And I, I, I yelled, I took a picture, and I was like, "This, I'm framing this. This is like the the green, there's like a, a little stream out to the right. There's the trees, you're going up a hill in the background of it. So you got like the colors in the trees. It was picturesque. And, and just absolutely stunning. Yeah, and to what you're saying about seven, so people can visualize it, like it's so much so that even Troy had mentioned, like right behind seven, because the green, it kind of slopes from back to front downwards. And there's a huge like backdrop more or less behind the green. And Troy said, he's like, they should put the letters LMCC back there because it just screams perfect picture. It really mm-hmm. does. It really does. Um, yeah. It could be a true symbol of that place. Um, and, and that was, you know, Troy had mentioned that, that, and I was like, wow, that's just a no-brainer, really. For sure, yeah. Um, but but there, so, and then that par three after, that stretch of holes there, those five, six, seven, eight, those four holes are Priceless. as good of holes, of a stretch of four holes that, that maybe I've ever played. It was really beautiful good like it yeah it was great it really was a nice i can't i can't agree more i mean i think when i think back to that place like the stretcher that you just talked about right is so good it's so good it's not just that it's hard but like for the golfer that like is looking for the aesthetics the holes the design the undulation like i felt like on those four specifically you could check every box and yeah. and looking back at it it's like man how good are those four mm-hmm. and i can see why a guy like troy doesn't get bored of that place and it's it's target golf like like we talked it's tight but like I said that par five it's like a double dog leg he said it makes like an s yeah. and it, it does it's a legitimate dog leg left and then dogleg back to the right. Like it's, you can't, I don't know if you can cut the corner without, like you're not making it over the trees. You're either putting a big hook or a big slice on it. Well, Troy had said, it, anyway. he had said though specifically, he's like, you got to bomb it out there past the corner. And he said, you're talking, mm-hmm. I, I believe he said like 320 to get it past the corner. And yeah. then from there, it's not, you don't have a straight shot. Then he's like, then you had to hit a banana cut all the way around the trees because you're not getting it high enough with the club you'll have to hit to get it there. Right, with the distance. Yeah. Yep. So, so, 
So like, and and for me, I noticed that it was a beautiful hole, and I was far. I, and I, I was in the army on that hole, left side, <laughs> right, left side, right side, left side. I mean, so I was all over, and I was like, this is this is a, a great hole. And then the way, like, even even if you want to go nerdy golf course architecture, like the bunker that is placed on the right side of the green, the front right of the green is placed there so like if you're going to try to go over the trees like if you're able to put yourself into a distance where you're going to go with a wedge over or a nine iron or something that is going to get up high enough over the pines you're not just getting up onto a flat green or into there's an enormous front bunker there that if you're if you have a straight on approach it's in view or if you're going to try to go over trees you're gonna to have to content like it just architecturally was just was just great as well. So yeah, that that stretch, and then fast forward. So that was um, that was six sevens. The the par dogleg right par four, which again stunning. We we just talked about that, and then you ended on a par three that is uh, high up. Um, it it played. It, you shoot the pin, and it was one forty three. And then 142, and then the, with the slope was 125. Yeah, that's what, that's what you had to play it, and it was just beautiful. You're above all the trees, you know. You really, I mean, it takes you. A, it legitimately, you had to drive the golf cart for a solid minute to get up this, like mountain basically Mm -hmm. to get up that high and you just have such a beautiful view onto a a green that was pretty they did a great job with like the stone work if you were walking the course that like stone little walkway to get you down there looked really pretty it was just like just just beautiful and then onto you got to hit a green that's not quite two-tiered per se but you if if the pin's in the back you really want to be in the back and um sloping from back to front and again sliders all day it was just yeah just a just a great golf hole so yeah and then finally yeah go ahead no go go ahead no go go i was just gonna say and then finally we got to 18 and mike has a a hole where he can move it right to left it's the first time all day i think that you actually had aim it at the tree line and just and just work it back just hit just hit your drive and it just uh yeah yeah, I mean, that, yeah, so it's good. a great stretch. That that was a solid nine. And, you know, so we finish, and, and most of the time, being guests of where we're, you know, invited to, you think it's kind of over. You toss out, you want to play an extra nine, and there was no questions asked by us. It was like, yeah, we will gladly play. So we get to the red nine, and this is where, like, the fun begins because we get on the tee box, and Troy says... It really... It was funny, Mike. You just said it's where the fun begins. It really was. It really was like, like we've we've been loose. It's been good. It's it's been nice. But then we got off there, and it was just like, it it was almost like you just, like okay, that round's over. Like you know how there's like you, you play nine. It's like okay, that nine's over. The round's over. It's like, <sighs> all right, done. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, let's let's go mess around on the other nine. And and it was that was the that was the the yeah. I mean, that was definitely it. So we get to the nine, the next nine. It's the red nine, and Troy Duff definitely said that this is the easiest of the three. And I, I don't know in terms of definition of easy. Like it's not easy. Okay, it was still it was still challenging. But maybe mm-hmm. if you're comparing it to the other 
three, the other two, you'd probably go white, blue, red. Like, I get it. But I think if the average golfer may jump on the nine at red, you're going to be like, what are these two clowns talking about? It's a, it's a struggle here. Some par three, yeah. the third hole, the par three, or second, the, what is it, third hole, the par three, or the second hole, the par three? Either one, whatever the case is. So the third hole. The third hole. The third hole. Yeah, the third yeah. hole. You're still 220, par three, so yeah. it's not like it's short or anything. But whatever. We get to the first tee, and Troy says, you want you guys want to play a little match. And Ryan and I are like, yeah, but it's got to be net because clearly our better ball is still not going to beat yours. Um, mm-hmm. He agrees. We check the handicaps, and he's got to give Rye eight shots, and he's got to give me one and a half. I still didn't get enough shots, but whatever. Those are the handicaps. We come out, first hole, and I think the first hole will lead us to the end story here, but that first hole, Rye gets up there, hits it in the right rough. I hit in the right side of the fairway, and Troy's you know, maybe in the right first cut there. And Rye hits his shot to the left bunker. I hit mine onto the green about 20 feet, and then Troy goes, and he flares it out to the right. So I'm saying to myself, Ryan gets a shot, like, Troy's not going to get up and down. Like, this is our, we're going to start one up. Rye hits his bunker shot to maybe like four feet. You say four feet? Yeah. About four feet. Yeah. Good bunker shot. Troy chips, and the thing rolls off the green. And he's got about a 25-footer now. He's directly behind me, but I'm on the green. And now I'm like, this is a done deal. He's not making this. And just like all good golfers have constantly told us, like, never count somebody out. But I'm not that guy, and I've already counted this this guy out. Well, he proceeds to center cut the putt off the fringe, dead center. He makes it. Now, Ryan, and I look at each other like, now one of us have to make this. Right. So now, so now I have to make mine for a four for three. Or you have to make my right. 20 footer. Or you have to make yours, or we just push the hole. Right. So I go first and I miss mine. I don't even think I came close. And then you had a little fucking slider, and that thing just snaps on you. So we go from right off the bat that I'm thinking, like, finally, yeah, we're, we're playing a little $10 match. We're going to beat this guy. I'm going to promote it all over the place. We're going to be one up after one. Nah, doesn't work that way. But we're even after one, and we continue to play. And It went back and forth. I think I chipped in on one hole for a birdie. Then Troy comes back and knocks it stiff and makes a birdie. Then you make a huge, huge putt on seven for the win. And fast forward, we go to the ninth hole. And it's been back and forth. We're talking smack, basically in the middle of his backswing and his putting stroke. Like, we're pulling out all the, you know, ungolf etiquette stunts that you could do. Like, we're trying to, like, just not phasing him. And I think this is where we get to nine, and it's just like, here we go. You know, we're going we're gonna to pull this thing off, and we're going to take that picture, and we're posting to Instagram. We're letting everybody know that these two jamokes beat this stud. I tee off first. I hit it to about 25 feet past the pin. Not bad. This is the only, this is the only hole that I don't stroke on. Good point. Another good point. So, we're so it's all straight just up. Playing, we're straight all just up. playing straight. Yeah, yep. so it's not looking good for us probably at that point because it's a straight up hole and he probably wins that 99% of the time. Ryan goes next and hits it in the front bunker. Troy hits a shot and he flares it out to the right. I'd say he leaves it on the first cut, fringe type area, about 35 feet. I'm like, all right, listen, love our chances. 
love our chances right now. We're going to pull this off. Like, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Ryan goes first, hits his bunker shot to five, six feet. No, this one was a, a little longer. I, I thought it was more like six, eight feet, somewhere in there. Okay, but, give or take, you know, give or six, take. One half a dozen. Right. So yeah. Ryan hits it out of the bunker, knocks it eight feet. But even better, it's right on my line. So I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to pull the strategy card here. Ryan's going to go first, show me the line. I'm going to fucking make this, and we're going to run into the sunset like champions, $10 richer later. Troy decides it's his turn, and he's going to putt it. He's got about 35 feet. He's got to go through the first cut. He's got, He's probably got, I'd say he has a good yard of of that like fairway that's on a, it's not a fairway on a park. Yeah, it's grade, like the fringe. He's got to go through the fringe. Yard, yeah. And he's got a good yard of it and then, and then all the green and, and it's, yeah, a good, you know, it's moving from left to right. Yep. Good distance. Yeah. And right. Tell him what happens. Tell him what so he goes yeah. to bat- Tell him what he says <laughs> the minute or the second, the millisecond after he hits it. Uh Oh, Guys, he said uh-oh. And when I tell Before you the ball was on the green. He said uh-oh. He said uh-oh. Not a full second after he hit it. The ball was and if it was on the green, it was a foot on the green. But he knew as soon as he hit that putt, that's good, and he went, "Uh-oh, I just did it to these guys again." Because let's not forget, we didn't mention it. The first hole, he holes out like that. He hit uh he hit how many other putts? I mean, he hit Ten footers were tap-ins for him all day, so it's this is the first time he's hitting this, you know, off the green thirty-five footers. But he's been nailing putts left and right, so he says, "Uh oh," and I go, "Uh oh, what?" Like thinking, like I got real excited for a second, like "Uh oh," like he hit that too hard. It's gonna hit the slope because it's a two-tiered green. Go down way to the left, and it's like, "Yeah, we're not going to a playoff hole. Let's let's go." No. Dead center. And can I tell you, it was demoralizing, but it's more how he made the putt. It had the perfect speed with the perfect break. Like, it's not like it trickled in or took a side door or, like, he banged it into the back and just like, ooh, man, if I miss that, it's it's 20 feet past. No, no, no. This was the perfect speed for this putt. Perfect speed. It was like he had Tiger Vision. 2005 Tiger Golf. And, and put the tiger vision on. It was it was it was something. No doubt. And then of course I put mine and leave it probably like three feet short. And and I think what how Troy apologized to us after that again was another just true sign of someone's character and how bad he really felt. Because I even jokingly said to him after that, I said, you know, if we tied this hole, I was gonna tell you we're going to a playoff. Like we're not ending in a tie. I came here to win, and I'm going to find a way to win. And it just summed up the day. It did. He he just he's that good. That place is that good. And and it you know I, I like I said at the beginning like he had he gained two gigantic fans in us. And I think the analogy and what you mentioned, and I think you should share in terms of who he, he will be to us, is spot on. So uh, everybody, every golf podcast takes their, their lineage from somewhere. And obviously this is, you know, foreplay uh, from Barstool is obviously the, the godfather of, of all golf podcasts. Um, and their boy is Kevin Kisner. 
And I think that that's a perfect uh, example of, of who he's going to be for us. He's our Kevin Kisner, right? He's our dude who's going to come golfing with us, um, have some drinks with. Like, if we, like, I, I bet if we were to be like, hey, Troy, can you jump on a Zoom? Like let's let, let's chat. He's jumping on. Like he's just our guy now. Yeah. Um. And we're gonna we're gonna follow him. He's he's our dude. And just again, just such a laid back, down to earth guy that just is a stud golfer. That's that's now part of part of our family. Yep. Uh, I couldn't say it any better. All right. So uh, you know, again, that's that's uh, you know our day with Troy. Um, and, and the golf course at Little Mill, again, just a spectacular, uh, spectacular place. Troy, again, thank you for having us. It was just just tremendous. We really, we, both of us left there and talked on the phone for another 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, however long it was, about how great of a day that was. So, um, so really, thank you. Um, so before we send you to our interview with Troy, here's a word from our sponsor. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. All right, welcome to today's episode. Um, Again, we're super fortunate here to be at Little Mill Country Club with our guest, Troy Venucci, kind of a household name in terms of New Jersey State golf, the Gap, the Met, all different areas, super, super successful. I'm gonna go through a laundry list of, of accolades and, and awards that, that Troy has won more recently. So first off, he's a six-time club champion, three-time DeBalfre Players Trophy champion, a two-time champion of the Suburban Invitational, and a three-time Springhaven Cup champion. 2019 was a semifinalist in the USGA four ball, where they were also the tri-medalist in stroke play firing 64-64 with his partner. 2019, he qualified for the USGA Mid-Am at Colorado Park Golf Club. 2021, he was the Gap Philadelphia Amateur Championship where he made it to the quarterfinals. In 2021, he was also the NJSGA Mid-Am runner-up while also in 2021 finishing tied for third in the Philadelphia Open Championship. But I think the one thing that stands out more so than anything is, is this year, um, Troy went on to win the 2022 GAT Mid-Amateur Champion, which is probably you know, the biggest one out of all of them in terms of all the accolades and, and awards that, that Troy has accomplished. So um, first and foremost, Troy, thanks for having us out here. Um, and. Thanks for inviting us to this place. So, and I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. This, I mean, the, the place we're recording in is absolutely beautiful. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I'm glad you guys uh, made the trip down. Glad to have you guys out. This is awesome. So I'm going to get started here with some, with some questions. And, you know, I know 
anytime that we have guests on the show, it's a little tough early on trying to feel it all out and feel comfortable. So um, tell us a little bit about your journey. Obviously, you know, I, I did some research and I saw that, you know, you were born in, in Texas, you know, headed out to Memphis. And now, you know, how does a guy like you end up in Marlton, New Jersey? Yeah, no, it's a bit of a uh, wild, wild story. Basically born in Texas, don't really remember much, only there two or three years, but I call Memphis home. Basically grew up there, everyone's there. I have a little family spread out, Florida, Jersey. So yeah, basically grew up in Memphis and then out of high school, didn't really know what I was wanting to do. Came up here, stayed with my aunt and uncle for, the, uh, for two summers in high school. And then uh, after high school, moved up here, didn't really know what I was wanting to do. Worked at a local uh, country club and then finally started working for my uncle's best friend. And I've been doing that ever since. Nice. And so when we played, or I always say that we as if it's I'm part of you. It's like yeah. we're a fucking team. And I can't tell you how many times my wife's like, dude, Mike, you're not we. It's it's him or him so no, no we're part of the team now. yeah we're, we're, i, I kind of feel like i'm part of the team you know i always like to feel like i i want to be involved in the team um but for you specifically so your high school golf was played in memphis yes correct. and what was that experience like being out there compared to what you've seen here yeah it was so i was a late bloomer i played all the sports growing up but i got into golf late so I didn't start playing until like my eighth grade summer going into freshman year. And uh, I had got new clubs for my uh, birthday that year and never really played. Just like, oh, why, why would you give me golf clubs? And just like, then eventually started to pick them up, playing with my grandfather and stuff like that. And um, just really got hooked. And lucky for me, golf season's in the same season as uh, football. So obviously I'm not going to be playing football. I'm just human punch bag out there. And uh, wasn't very good. Started to uh, get a little better. Did a lot of practicing. I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, at a country club. No really place to practice. I was always doing other stuff, basketball, baseball, all the competitive stuff. And uh, yeah, just basically finished out high school, played golf. Wasn't good enough to get a scholarship anywhere. So then when I moved up here, I just played in a bunch of golf tournaments and just started to get better each year. You just learn, get better. That's, that's crazy. It really yeah, is, it's, it's, that's crazy to think that I would have guessed not knowing you that golf was a, a staple. That, you know, to see the results that you put up now and the wins that you have now and the tournaments you play in. Like, to me, as a guy that follows the NJSGA, that follows the Gap, that follows the Met, like, constantly seeing your name on there, I would have guessed, like, you were born and bred into this. But clearly, that couldn't be the furthest from the truth. <laughs> yeah, no. So my uncle and cousin, they were household name, Michael Hyland and Tom Hyland. They played in everything. And basically, they just signed me up for everything, mainly my uncle, signed me up for everything. I remember like one season, I played in probably 12 qualifiers for Gap, Jersey, Met, whatever, you name it, and I've only made one. And I was like, man, this is like really tough. <laughs> but like once you make that one and you know you can do it and you just keep on practicing, you get better and better and you just, it's just like, it's just like everything else. It's like stepping stones. You gotta cut your teeth and you go through the grind and missing the cuts, making the cuts and 
now it's it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think just like to piggyback that, like I think even for you know like I was fortunate to play a lot of golf growing up, and and I have two little girls, a ten and seven year old, and and once COVID came around. You know, that's when I really said, I'm going to get back into the game. I wasn't, maybe I've played five times in a year, but like COVID came and I was bored. So I started playing again. So I started dabbling in the tournaments and I said, let me, let me see. And I'll still never forget when I tried qualifying for the, for the state am at Burlington country club, the first team, my hands were like shaking. Like I was a nervous oh, yeah. wreck, but I, I left there and didn't qualify. But I was like, this was a lot of fun. Like this, the competitive juice is flowing. It just made me say like, I'm going to like put some time and effort into it. Then, you know, 2021 came around. I was fortunate to qualify for the New Jersey State Public Links up at Bally Owen. And then this past summer, qualified for the New Jersey State Open. But so like now I can see what you're saying. Like once you get in that and you're like, all right, I see what it takes. I, I think I can do it. You know, the grind is, is, is real. Oh, definitely. It's just like, just like anything else. It's like a big adrenaline rush. It's like, yeah, you get on the first tee, you really not know what to expect, you're super nervous, but then after a while, it just comes like, just like riding a bike, and you're just like, all right, I need to go out here and take care of business, and then, yeah, it's nice, and then it's nice because Jersey, they got so many good courses, and it's like, every time you miss a qualifier, you're like, oh, damn, I really wanted to play that course, it's <laughs> like, and, it, and, it, and, it's, and they're tough to get on, and it's just like, man, that was a great venue, so you're always eager to get back to that next qualifier. Is that usually the catalyst for you as to why you're picking and choosing tournaments? It's like, oh, I want to play that club or I want to play there or, or even like the qualifiers. Like, would you rather drive somewhere a little further to play a course to qualify at there as opposed to somewhere else? Or is that ever like coming to mind for you? So me, it's all schedule depending. Like I'll drive two hours to go play in something if, it, if I don't have a conflict or something, but me, I guess I play too much golf. I'm playing like three associations, so I really have to like choose and pick and stuff like that. To, to piggyback, like yeah. your the schedule. The schedule is obviously for someone like you that plays in everything. Okay, you're down here in the Gap. You play this, this New Jersey State Golf Association. You play in the Met. Like I, I saw that you play down in Florida and, and something. Yeah. So like, how do you like Ryan said, pick and choose? Like I'm gonna go play the New Jersey State Madam and I'm gonna go play the Met Open. Like what, when it comes to your schedule, are there things that rank higher than others? Yes, for sure. So like, I'm always gonna play in an Open over an AM or a mid-AM or something like that. I, I feel like the Opens, that's your best, that's your best event at any state. Like you're gonna get the best talent, you're playing with the pros. So I always pick the Opens. Like, I think this year I had to choose between the Jersey Open and the uh, Pennsylvania Am. It was a no-brainer. I'm going to do the Jersey Open. Mm -hmm. So luckily, I've had, like, pretty much the same schedule for, like, the last two or three years. So I know what events, conflict, run into each other and stuff like that because they usually always fall on the same date. And then if you have a good season, it's uh, not so much me, but, like, there's wagger points. You got to figure out like wagger points. Like, oh, this this tournament's ranked higher. You can get more wagger points here. But here lately, I haven't even been chasing wagger points. It's just like. And the point system is, is correct me if I'm wrong, it's like the world amateur golf rankings. Yes, right? correct. So, and then 
the higher you go in a sense or the better you play, the more points you can accumulate. And what does that lead to? So basically like the national level. So like anytime you sign up for like a national invitational or anything, just like that's the first thing they ask. How many USGA events you played in and what's your wagger? And it's tough for me. I'm like a mid-am. I play in ams and stuff like that. Like all the college kids, they get all the wagger points. Like their their ranking, the strength of the field's a lot stronger here. You got Jersey, PA, Gap, and stuff like that. They're strong, but they're not college strong. So like you have to finish in that top five just to get some points. So the college kids are getting points in their own tournaments as well as the New Jersey State Open is. Yes, exactly. So it's like, so like, for instance, like Mark Costanza, he has to watch his wagger. He's like super high up. Now, if he plays in the Jersey Am or something like that and then plays bad, he'll drop way down. Well, if a college kid plays in a Jersey Am, he may drop a little bit, but he's playing in a college event and he, he still accumulating okay. points. Yeah. So like if you play, like you're, you play for, Texas Tech and you play in the in the Big 12 championship the all those that that counts as points because you're playing in you're playing Oklahoma and Texas and, and yeah, yeah wow okay in anything it's wagger it has to be uh, 54 holes or it has to be uh, match play to be clarified as wagger points wow that see like now we're taking it to the next level. Yeah, like sure. now I got to start getting some wagger points. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like that's that's you know the next goal here. And what is that? What's like the ultimate? Um, like for wagger point, like okay, you get a whole bunch of wagger points. What does that mean? You're just the best amateur, or is there like a tournament at some point that top twenty five playing in, or what's the like? Yeah, is it like can you bypass the, the qualifiers at that point if you're top ten, top twenty five? Like because we all know those those qualifiers for whatever the tournament, state open, state am, you know whatever it is, it's like it's like a shootout. You you've got to go low and you get one time. Like do these points accumulate so much that you're able to bypass that? I mean, once I mean you really got to play well because it's like worldwide. I mean it's like all throughout the country. So like. For me, only thing, like, if I got if I got hot for a season or something like that, I would try to like see where I was at for the mid am because they got a ranking just for the mid am, and like I think it's like top thirty or thirty five for the mid am they get exempt for the U S mid am, but like even then, it's like really low. It's like five hundred in the world because you got to think all the college kids that had all those good world ranking points, now they're. They're still playing and stuff, but they still have all their points back uh, when they were in college. And then it just, it's, it's a crazy system. So I don't even really pay attention to it anymore. Right. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start chasing wagger points, playing this, playing that. Now I just play in everything. I don't care. Like, I just want to compete. Yeah, I just want to compete. I just want to play. Just. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, I, I'm just kind of, I'm like fascinated by very good golfers like yourself like i i kind of just like watch and say like man these guys can play you know i think there's some part like man you wish you were that good so like being able to talk to you and and, and about this stuff is for someone like me who's a golf fiend and a golf nerd like i i love it yeah I, i'm gonna be honest never heard of wagger points until just now it's, so that was something yeah. yeah for sure like yeah. that's but but i've i've seen it that's like, why that's why it's always kind of like you see the rankings and it's like 
you know, where is somebody that you can name, recognize on that list on itself? That list. So Mike's definitely more into, he's a better golfer. He, he plays more competitive golf. I'm, you know, I enjoy golf, but I'm going to slap it around. But he, he knows more about that kind of stuff. So it doesn't surprise me that he's at least heard of it. Again, not, not even on my radar. So that's so, good to learn something. Yeah. Look at that. So let's get a little bit into this place. Um, I know that six-time club champ, I'm going to assume that's got to be a record. It's tied for the record. Tied for the record. Bob, uh, Bob Holloway, he actually started playing golf when he was 40. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. Started playing golf when he was 40, and uh, the record's been six. It's tough. We've uh, we got had a lot of talent come through here, and it's, it's like it's a grind for a month and a half. Now, it's did a, you play in it this year? Did you win this year? I did win this year. Okay. It was. Uh, What's the most you've won in a row? Uh, Never won it back to back. Yes, I want to say three times in a row. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some pretty stud yeah. players to, to knock off it's, you and, and. There's a bunch. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough format, too, because we go 27 holes from the tips for uh, 16 spots. Okay. 16 so you don't get an automatic. You're well, not, the the first the champion the, is not automatically. Yeah, the champion gets the number one seat, so you're actually playing for 15 spots. Okay, okay. So you're playing for 15 spots, and then uh, you go match play, and then once you get to the final four match play, you go back to stroke play, 27 holes from the tips. Oh wow! So it's stroke play, match play, stroke play, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, that's it's, different. I've never heard that. I, I've heard of the 36 hole stroke play qualifying for so X amount of spots to get, to get it, 16. to get to your sweet 16 or even your, you know, your elite eight. And we're just going to yeah. go in eight, but then to go back to stroke play after that, that, that definitely opens up the field for everybody because I mean, you can attest to this, that stroke play and match play, it's com two completely different animals. Oh, hundred percent. There's been so many upsets. It's just anything can happen in match play, especially out here. Like you guys are going to soon find out like, this place is crazy. I mean, it's it's a bowling alley, mm -hmm. and you play it the finals in uh, like the first week in August. So it's always hot. Twenty seven holes. It's a grind fest. We have so such uh, support from the uh, membership too. Like we'll have at least a hundred people out there watching. Mm -hmm. There's nothing but carts. Like I, I remember one year I had to back off a shot. There's guys behind the green making odds. I'm like 120 yards out and I had to back off a shot. These guys are all up there drinking and just having a good time watching. And he's like, oh, I got three to one and all this other stuff. And I had to back off a shot. It's like you just don't get that anywhere I don't know. From 110 yards, I don't know who's betting against you. From 110 yards, I might be putting the ranch on you to hit the green. You know, so I mean that. And like, so about this place, they're, you know, pulling in here, you know, I, like I said to you, I, I didn't know where I was going. So when I come in here, now I feel like the seas kind of part and I look and I'm like, wow, you got green lush fairways. I mean, the pictures I saw coming here were just amazing. And you're having three nines out here. What, what are those like? Um, is there one harder than the other? Um, why don't you talk a little bit about those three? Yeah, so we got... Uh Three nines, basically just cut out of the pines. And uh, I would say we our rotation's red, white, blue. Our championship rotation's red to white. The hardest nine by far is the white nine. Uh, the blue nine special, it's uh, a lot of local knowledge. And we got the mountain hole. I think it's like the highest point in South Jersey. Oh, nice. On a nice, clear 
there you can see uh, EC. Uh, cool. yeah. yeah, no, it's nice. It's uh, and then the Red Nine. It's a good nine. It's uh, a little bit more open compared to uh, white and blue. So it's red up Brian's. Yeah, it's red up Brian's. I'm gonna Brian. play 27, but just on the red. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. Is there is there one that you if like you got you got you know an hour an hour fifteen to go run out and play nine holes? Which one are you picking? I'll always pick white. I run over to white. It's got uh, it's got some uh, two tiered greens. It's the longest. It's uh, you really gotta go uh, golf your golf ball on white. It's it's real demanding. Yeah, that's uh, I like that. We we joke around like you want I, I, you go for it. I go. I, we're both golf masochists. Yeah. That we really like. I, I'm if I'm going to a place, especially if like the PGA Tour has a has a stint through there, I want to play it from as far back yeah. as possible to to see what the pros see. I see the whole golf course no matter what. So it, yeah. so it doesn't matter if I'm playing from 5,500 or 7,500 yards. So if I have the opportunity, I'll, I, like, I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> if I get the opportunity to play it multiple times, then, then sure, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll vary yeah. it. But like, yeah, I, I, wanna, I, wanted to, I like the challenge. We have the handicap system for a reason. It allows you to do that. And it, it allows you to, to play, you know, see the whole course and play all of your shots you know that's for me that's uh, do you feel like this yeah do you feel like this place is a place that when you leave here it's like man it is a challenging golf course because i i did to ryan's point get to use all the clubs in my back oh it's uh like it's it's hard to find like to even compare this place anywhere like like when you leave here today you're gonna be like man wow that was I don't know anywhere else I can go play that kind of golf. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is basically cut out of the pines. We call it Little Mill Chimes. Like, you're going to hear a bunch of lumber today. <laughs> I mean, you can play good. You can play good here, and you're just you're going to hit some trees. It's just uh, just the nature of uh, the mill. It's it's a wild place. Yeah. It, even driving here, like, you know, kind of... <clears throat> Kind of came through like is it downtown Marlton? Is that like kind of how I yeah, how I came in? Tree, yeah, and it was I mean a cute little town, but yeah. like once you got past that, it was just I was like where and Mike and I were on the phone too. Where is this place? Yeah, like it's just nothing but like how are you cutting a course in these pine trees? And and again like unassuming entrance, like you just kind of came and I was like oh he, like here's a small little sign that yeah, says exactly. and then and, and it just yeah it was it was wild to see. So I'm super excited to see like how it's cut out into the in the pines and i imagine uh, have you ever played matita conch i love matita conch so i that's what i that's say that's how i envision right now like before we've gone out there i kind of envision you don't know matita conchs there and then when you are there you don't know any other holes are around you so that is the like perfect example i say that to everyone like matita conch is a bigger little meal Okay. Like that, I guess that is the actual only course that you can kind of compare to Little Mill. But like, take Matita Conk and squeeze it in. Yeah, it's like it's nice. Yeah, I like Matita Conk is like one of my favorites in jerseys just because it resembles Little Mill so much. Like, like I feel comfort there. I don't feel like oh man, I need to steer. It. Like no, I'm like ripping it there like i feel totally confident yeah, it's like home away from home yeah man. exactly sure. used to seeing all that, that yeah it's just like i feel i don't feel trapped it's just like i love it so i i mean obviously you know with you being so consistent in terms of you know 
competitive golf in, in the different areas like you know what's a practice facility like here is this where you would practice leading up to an event like how do you prepare because i know a lot of private courses some have the phenomenal venue they got the clubhouse but they don't got the practice facility or they only have the practice facility and the clubhouse and the course is subpar like if you're prepping for a tournament like does little mill have the practice facility a guy like you needs to prepare before you play Oh, 100%. I mean, we have we have one putting green, no chipping only, so that's nice. Get some putting games going on over there. And then our chipping green, it's got some undulation. That's the only, I think, the downfall because, like, you go up to, like, North Jersey and all this other stuff where all these events are. Like, down here, we're pretty flat, so we don't have that much rolling hills, but our chipping green's got some slope on it. So I'll go over there, putts, put on some slopes and stuff like that, but the chipping green, it's great. Uh, it's plenty efficient for what you need to get done. The range is huge. I mean, you got grass, two different types of grass. It's uh, plenty big. I mean, it's full it's, range. You can hit drivers. Yeah, full range. You can hit drivers uh, double sided. So, no, it's nice. It's totally efficient for what you need. Mm-hmm. Only thing I say it's lacking is slope, but you're just not going to get slope in like South Jersey. It's yeah. just. Yeah, and especially on a range too, because I'm sure the maintenance for the superintendent on that side is would be a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah, a nightmare for us. Yeah. Um, when you, when you say two different types of grass, like one is like bent grass and the other is Bermuda, or like you mean like the seeding itself? Yeah. So like we tried uh, doing Bermuda this year. It's been all right. It's just it's just tough because you got to cut it down real low. No, I, yeah. no, I just I didn't know if you meant like yeah. hitting no. off mats. And no, like no, no, mats two different grass, and, but like that's, that's cool. Yeah. I don't it, know many places that do no, that. That's I, really, I agree. Yeah, so I mean, one side from what he was telling me has has mats, and the other side is is grass. It's like two different grass. Like yeah. one side's mats, and then the other has like two different grasses. It has like a hybrid of like all kinds of like bent grass uh bluegrass it's like a super hybrid i've never even heard of it before really and that's uh good. that's good and then we got our bermuda too okay wow. so again I, I just there's not many courses that have like full grass driving range as opposed yeah. to like yeah, yeah. yeah and then and a lot of the a lot of the courses is it is strictly a mat so when you hear like grass it's kind of like wow okay that's kind of like a legit facility because most of the time it's like let's protect the grass let's make it a little easier to throw the mats out um so like you know let's say like tomorrow is a big time tournament for you like what do you do you know to the to the golfer that's out there listening that says like you know i'm, I'm trying to get my game to the next level choice of name that i constantly see on the leaderboards and all these tournaments you know frankly i'm sure you don't even do a lot of the qualifiers anymore because you're exempt to get straight into the tournament itself like what are you doing to prepare yourself for that tournament that comes up like are you grinding the short game you know what things do you work on specifically maybe within your mechanics of your swing um leading into that tournament yeah definitely i mean i'm a big range rat i mean so i'm always out there grinding uh, but lucky enough for being a little mill member it's like we have a game every day so basically if i got an event coming up i want to play in a scat game i want to play for some money it's not big money, but it's enough for it's like, oh man, I lost. I mean, like, you wanna you wanna go out there and win, so you have a little pressure. I mean, it's not like tournament pressure, but like you don't want to go out there and lose money. So you're, I think, just going out there playing in the money game, and then uh, 
trying to figure out what you did wrong or something like that and then just go practice uh fill it out yeah no doubt yeah, there's no doubt you the, losing any any money, any money. Yeah. i don't care if it's a dollar or 20 or 100 like the time you got to dip into that wallet you're saying man this fucking sucks i gotta yeah. i gotta hand you money so like when you got that three footer and you know it's i don't care for a dollar 20 whatever the case is and you miss it like yeah there's no doubt it adds that little bit of pressure that you're for sure like oh i, I need yeah i gotta make this troy is there something that um like like as kind of piggybacking on Mike's leading into a tournament, is there something that some part of your game that like, you know, uh, like I'm pounding driver. That's the best part of my game. So leading up to this tournament, I really want to work on this putting, chipping, maybe it's driving. Like what is it that you're particularly focused on to like hone in, in your own game that, you know, like I, I need to work on this. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, I feel like driver is the best club in my bag. So, like, I'm always trying to push it down there. I'll do a lot of wedge practice. I feel like I'm, like I said, driver's best club in my bag. So, I feel like I'm a, if I'm hitting the ball good, I'm always going to have some wedges and stuff like that. So, I really hone in on the uh, wedges. And then I practice a bunch of five-footers. Those are the, like, keep the confidence going, momentum putts. Like you're always going to have that four or five footer to keep for par or even bogey or something like that just to keep that momentum. So for me, leading up to an event, I'll go throughout the bag, but mainly I'll focus on wedges and just putting inside like 10 feet. Okay. Like I don't even – I'll do a little lag putting, but like you do that once you get to the course. Like me, I'm like inside like eight feet. I'm like all day just – just grinding, yeah. just grinding inside eight. Like feet. you said, those are huge. If you're, you know, you're in match play with somebody and you're in for par, and they got an eight footer for par. More often than not, you're thinking like, okay, that guy's gonna miss this. I'm gonna win this hole. And if you hit that putt, not only is it momentum for you, but it takes it. It's de- uh, demoralizing yeah. for them. Like that's a huge. Like so, not only are you increasing your morale, but they're decreasing theirs with that kind of putt. So that you're right. That's a good. That's like a good killer kind of. Yeah, definitely for me. I think, I guess I'm 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 a ball striker, so it's like anytime the putter can heat up for me, I'm I'm loving it. So going well. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm fairways and greens, and then how far? I mean, obviously your stature, you're a smaller guy, but nowadays that really doesn't mean anything because you know, for example, Rory's a small dude on the PGA Tour and massively bombs the ball. Like, how far are you carrying your driver? How far do you hit it? Are you a bomber, or is it for you it's more like I'm going 280 and I'm, I'm knifing this down the middle? So I really don't know what the carry is, but I know what the swing speed is. It's like a one four, I, I cruise around 114. Okay, so yeah, so you get up there. Yeah. So like for my size, like everyone's pretty impressed. That, like, that's very good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I only say that because, again, me being a golf nerd, I literally just got fitted for the new Titleist driver. And yeah. What are the new Titleist driver? And so now the numbers are all in my head. Like for me, I was like rock solid at 105. Like yeah. even when I tried to go after it, I was lucky if I got to 110. Like, and that was me swinging yeah. out of my ass and lucky the ball didn't stay on the plane. Yes, yeah. but that, that's fast. No, it's, it's, it's funny because everyone like, obviously I'm short and stocky and stuff like that, but like there's, there's probably like three times, three or four times a year where there's one guy that's consistently further than me on the off the tee like all day it happens like four or five times but like i keep up with most people 
And for amateur golf, you don't need to be that long. All you need, you need 285, 280 down the middle. That's all you need to compete in amateur golf. Yeah. That, that was the one thing that I learned that's kind of like eye-opening to someone like me. Like, I, I don't think I hit the ball far at all. Like, maybe it's 270 off the tee. Yeah. But even when I played in the State Open this year and I was playing with a, with a kid who, you know, was going Division One to Stanford, and I swear, after I hit the tee shot, I said, I bombed that. Like, I cannot hit that any better. Yeah. And I said to my, my buddy who was caddying for me, who's also a member at Manasquan River, I said, do me a favor, just gun where, where Dean's ball is. You know, Dean Grice. Oh, yeah, very, I know. Yeah, yeah. Great guy, great kid. You know, cat, his caddy was great. And we gunned it. He was legit 76 yards in front of me. Yeah. And I hit that as well as I could hit it. And he's on a whole nother atmosphere. So, like, the kids just, like, bomb it. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing to someone like me that the ball can go that far. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. So if you're keeping up with those guys, I mean, you're gonna leave yeah. us in the dust today. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, so like to kind of wrap this up, I you know I always like to ask one question, and I know Ryan likes to end it with with, with what we think is a, a great ending question. But obviously, when we're talking about like golfing in the Garden State, there are so many different tracks here. You know, in terms of the topography, you can go in the mountains. You got the water. You got the sandy dunes. Like you got places like this that all the pine needles are around and like you being a person who's played a lot of competitive golf and, and I'm not really sure in terms of like the public side if you've been able to dabble with things there but could you think of a top private and a top public course to you that may stand out biased away from Little Mill I'm not letting you say that as, as one of your answers yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, is there one on each side that that sticks out a little bit there so I've never really played uh, ball to straw I've always wanted to play ball straw. Uh, I'm just like hoping every year maybe Jersey's going to have an event there, an open, or something like that. Uh, they did so, with the U.S. Open. Yeah. It's yeah. so, listen, before yeah. I cut you off there, like, I kid you not, we must have asked, I asked that question to everybody. You're like maybe the fourth or fifth person that we've interviewed so far. And every single person says, you know, my favorite or the place I want to get on is Baltusrol. Yeah. I've never played there. I know you've played nine holes there. Like, it is insane, I guess, what that place must truly be like. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is special. But to your point, it's, yeah, yeah it's incredible. And I guess another one would be, since everyone's saying Baltusrol, Hamilton Farm. Like, that place looks sick. Just like, they got a short course. I think it's rated, too. Short course is rated, which is like unheard of we talked about <laughs> it is the only yeah. usga rated short course in the united states that's wild the only one so so those are two good ones and and what about ones that you've played you know if you think back to the course that you've played is there one or two that maybe on the private side or the public side that have stood out as like wow that you know for a public golf course like god that's in really good shape or one that i would say listen if you're in the area like go play and if or if you're invited to this place like i played it you got to go well see it. it yeah i mean i i guess we can knock off ac i mean that's like the best i mean another semi now or something yeah, like just, that they just went private but yeah it just went private i mean that was incredible for uh for public but uh i would say one around here that's uh sneaky good has probably i would put this part three against any part three in the state is riverwinds Riverwind, it's right off the uh, water, that 17th hole. It's like 170, wind ripping. I mean, it's, it's great. It's a good layout. It's always in uh, pretty good condition. I haven't played in a 
couple years, but uh, some of the guys go over there on Mondays and stuff and play, mm -hmm. and they always rave about it. Great bar, great atmosphere after golf, too. Mm -hmm. So That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And, what about, and what about on the private side? Like, obviously, what's one that – I know you talked about Matita Gonk being, like, one of your favorites. Like, is there is there one on the private side to you that kind of is like that you've played that's – stands out i mean somerset's great i mean just it's the green complex is there you really got to golf your ball there i love courses that were you just don't get up there and pound it and go find it and stuff like that like you actually have to think hitting into this green like all right yeah it's like all right this thing's gonna bounce 10 yards left like all right you got to be precise mm -hmm. that's kind of golf i like yeah. and it's so funny when you bring up river winds like i i i've heard of it Okay, my buddy tells me about it. Like he's like, I'm telling you, when you get out there, you got to go check this place out. So when you had told me about the 17th hole, yeah. you know, before this, I I texted him. I said, all I said to him in a text, I said, 17th hole, River wins, and he texted me back, best hole out there. Yeah. And I said, it's so funny you say it because yeah. Troy was mentioning like, <laughs> this is a spot, it's a good place. He lives in that area, so that I thought that was kind of, you know. Fitting. Yeah, I've heard good things about that place too, but never, never been out there. Yeah, no, it's a good spot. Um, so, Troy, uh, to kind of end this, the we always like to ask: golfers are quirky by nature. We all got we all got our quirks, and and I think golf lends itself to be even quirkier than than some other sports with like all the stuff that we could do. What are some of those superstitions or quirks that you might have that that everybody has and nobody likes to talk about? I mean, I, I think mine, it's. It's nothing crazy. I always do two tees, two ball marks, or two two quarters, two tees, and a uh, divot tool in the glove in the left pocket. Okay. It, like in the back left pocket. Back left pocket. Back left pocket. Like I can't stand it having it in the right. Like I have some shorts that don't have a back left pocket, and I won't wear them to play golf <laughs> because, like, okay. it's just like I take my glove and I go reach and I go put it in my pocket, and it and it's not there, and I'm like, all right, I can't wear these. Okay. Like it's just weird. And, and is all that stuff in the same pocket? Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't go to that extent. Like it, it's all over the place. Okay, so yeah. it doesn't matter where it is. Yeah, does it doesn't matter the year of the quarter? No. So any, it always has to be two quarters. So yeah, I never do like a dime or a penny or something. I always just do two quarters. I don't care if it's old, new, shiny. Heads, tails doesn't matter. Always heads. Yeah, that's another thing. Always heads, never why, tails. Why heads? Uh, I, I don't know. I just. Never been a tails. Anytime you pick when you're a kid or something, it's always heads. It's but never a uh, tails never fails. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I like it, you're the, listen. Another person has brought up the heads thing yeah. because that's it, someone I, else. I was just gonna ask: Is the heads facing somewhere, or is it just heads and drop it down? Only time it's tails is when I move my mark. So if I move my mark, I that flip it to is. tails. That is so crazy. So it's like anytime I put my ball down and it's on tails, I know I need to move it somewhere. Okay, and so. remind yourself. Oh, I, I got yeah. yeah, or something like that. Just okay. something. Just a little quirk. Okay. Just, you know, no, it's, just, the, the, it's funny because I think that's a question that we think is a great ending because golfers can be weird by nature. Yeah. We can have our superstitions and like sometimes dabbling and talk about like, but again, like a common theme that we've experienced on this is the two T's, yeah. the quarters, the heads up. You know, yeah. it's amazing the similarities yeah. that golfers really have yeah. that sometimes are things like that aren't, aren't talked about. Um, I, two tees, you break one, one tee's got to go in the pocket, or do you have to finish both tees, like both tees have to break before you put two more back in? No, once one breaks, the other one gets replaced. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just like always two. Okay. 
Okay. Always two. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to. It, it can be two wooden. It can be two plastic. It doesn't matter. It always has to be two. Okay. I'm listening. He's he's a plus three, four, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start going two T's. No, Starting sure. today, I'm going two T's. I'm not going the quarter, but I'll, I'm going two T's. That's it. And okay. maybe, maybe I can, you know, put up some of Troy's numbers. So as a wrap up, listen, Troy, I, I appreciate you you inviting us out here to, to talk with you, um, to, to see this place. And, and we're looking forward to stepping on the golf course. And, you know, so I thank you for, for inviting us. So, yeah, absolutely. This is, this was incredible. Again, super looking forward to getting out there and, uh, and, uh, even, even maybe more so seeing the course, seeing you play. Cause I've heard nothing but great things and, uh, I got high high expectations for your game, so pressure's no pressure on, there. Pressure's <laughs> on already. No, thanks, uh, Mike and Ryan. I really appreciate you guys coming down, and uh, I'm looking forward to the day. For let's sure, go. Let's sure. go have one.